medyo mahaba ang mabuting balita. But very beautiful. Very beautiful gospel. I love this one. In fact, if you are paying attention to the gospels that we get on the Sundays of Lent, you'll realize they're all really beautiful. This is the third Sunday of Lent already. The first Sunday we went into the desert with Jesus. Remember, he conquered the devil, he overcame the temptations. Then last Sunday, the second Sunday, we went up the mountain of the transfiguration. Jesus revealed his glory, which is also our glory. And then today, we go to the well, and Jesus meets the Samaritan woman at the well. In the Bible, meetings at a well are typically places where future husbands and wives met. <laughs> so it's a little bit of sim symbolism there. So in the first Sunday of Lent, Christ the victor. In the second Sunday of Lent, Christ in glory. In the third Sunday of Lent, Christ the lover. Christ who loves his people and has come to, to bring them back to himself. So we have to reflect a little bit on the, this passage about the woman at the well. Not, not everything, of course, because it's a long gospel and, and there's much more in it than we can cover in one, one mass. But, but this is really a classic story of conversion. And, and every time we read it, we can get more out of it. The central idea here, I'm sure you got it, is the experience of thirst. Thirst. It's introduced in the first reading. Remember, the Israelites are in the desert, and they have left Egypt. They've left behind their slavery, which is symbolic of slavery to sin. And they're in the desert, and they're thirsty. No water in a desert. Their thirst produces two gut reactions. You could say gut reactions, basic reactions, which we all understand. First of all is fear fear that they're going to die of thirst, and secondly, anger, anger at Moses for leading them out into the desert. Very often behind our anger is fear, if we look deep enough. Well, what's the answer to their complaint? What to, what's the answer to their thirst? God miraculously provides water for them from a rock, the, the, the least likely place to find it. That's a hint to us, because rock, after all, is a divine title. The rock, the Lord is my rock, and, and St. Paul will later say that that rock was actually Christ. So our thirst, our deepest thirst, is satisfied by Christ, the rock. Christ in the desert of this world is the source of life for us. Okay, so that, that was already introduced in the first reading, but then we get to this gospel, and along comes a thirsty woman, a very thirsty woman. It's hot, it's the middle of the day, it's noon, she's all alone, she's a Samaritan, she's a woman, she has every disadvantage. They say that nobody would go to a well in the middle of the day because that's the heat of the day. Probably she went there at that time in order to go alone and when no one else was around. We know from the Gospel that she has had a series of failed marriages. She has a very deep thirst, not just for water, but for love. Deep thirst. Now the first thing to notice here is that Jesus is at the well, is at the well first. He gets there first. He's waiting for her. 
she thinks she's the one thirsting. She thinks she's the one going to the well to get water, but he's there first, and he's the one who initiates the conversation. Give me a drink. Can you give me a drink? It's a shock. It's a shock on many levels. First of all, on the religious level, the Jews did not talk to Samaritans, and Jews did not drink from Samaritan vessels. That's why she says, well, you don't have any way to get a drink. How, how can you use mine? It's a shock on a cultural level because a man would not talk to a woman like that. And it's a shock on a social level because he's a rabbi, a teacher, and she is an outcast. But the biggest shock of all is on the divine level. It's God asking something of her, God in search of her, which it, this is a lesson, a lesson for us all in Lent. God is waiting for us to come to him. You see, Jesus is already on her side before she knows at all what's going on. She's, and God is waiting for us with a yes, a yes to us before we even ask any questions. He's waiting for us. Now, every religion in the world is somehow about man's search for God, man's desire for connection with the with the divine, our thirst for ultimate meaning, thirst for the transcendent, our thirst for the good life. But biblical religion is different because it starts out not with our thirst, but with God's thirst, God's thirst for us. We're going to see it on Good Friday on display when Jesus from the cross says, I thirst, I thirst. God speaking about his desire for our love, Okay, so we have the shock. The shock is that God loves us. It was not you who chose me, but I who chose you. God waits for us. Give me a drink. Say yes to my yes. Now at first, of course, we don't get it. The Samaritan woman didn't get it. We're too preoccupied with our experience of thirst. That's what we want to deal with. We're not, we're not uh, thinking about religious or spiritual things. We just are thirsty. And this thirst represents all our desires. Not just physical thirst, of course, that's one of them. We need water. But we also have a thirst, a desire for food, for shelter, for wealth, for power, for security, for intimacy, for relationships, for freedom, for knowledge, for happiness, or whatever, whatever things we might be longing for, they're all represented by this thirst. And ultimately, our thirst is for God himself. That's why we find fasting difficult. This is a season of fasting. I hope you've tried some fasting. You realize that when you're fasting, it seems like you get hungrier, not just for food, but for everything. We want to fill ourselves up. We don't like this idea of thirst. We long for connections and satisfaction. Anyway, the next thing Jesus says to the woman, after asking her for a drink, and she, she, she's puzzled by it, he tells the woman that something that's a kind of summary of the whole spiritual life. This is what he says to her. Whoever drinks this water will be thirsty again. 
But whoever drinks the water I give will never be thirsty again. It's an amazing thing to say. Whoever drinks this water will be thirsty again. We can understand that because we've drunk a lot of water. We might even be thirsty right now. It doesn't satisfy us for very long. But he says, whoever drinks the water I give will never be thirsty again. No matter how much we drink, no matter how much money we have, no matter how much power we have, no matter how many intimate relationships we have, no matter how much popularity we have, etc., we will get thirsty again. In fact, sometimes we're thirsty even before we finish using up whatever we're taking in. But eventually these good things all run out or fade away or, or abandon us, and then we're left unsatisfied. In the case of sinful things, now I'm not good things, I was talking about good things, but sometimes, all too often, we choose sinful things and they don't satisfy us either. In fact, they leave us more thirsty than we were before. Symbol of drinking salt water, if you've ever tried it. Salt water, you think it's going to satisfy your thirst, it makes you thirstier. Now the lesson here is that and the basic truth here is that if we try to satisfy our thirst for God using anything other than God, we'll be thirsty again. Nothing will work. What is the one reality that never runs out? What's the one fountain that never runs dry? It's God. It's the divine life. And this is precisely what Jesus is offering the woman at the well. Drink this water, and you will never thirst. So he's saying, say yes to this water, the water from the rock. He's offering her the water gushing forth from the rock, or the blood and water flowing freely from the pierced side of Jesus on the cross, the abundance of God's yes to us. Great. Great, this abundant flow of water. But there is still an obstacle, and this comes up in the Gospel. Before this, this water can really flow into our life, we have to deal with what interferes with our yes to God, and that obstacle is sin. Sin. We can talk about sin and think about sin, but if we're, if we're going to deal with Lent, if we're going to journey through Lent at all, we have to face the reality of sin. Sin interferes with the water leaves us thirsty and dry. It doesn't mean that the, the Christian life starts with condemnation. It doesn't. And, and Jesus' relationship with this Samaritan woman is the example. He doesn't start by saying, you sinner. He starts by saying, give me a drink. He starts by establishing a friendship with her, showing that he trusts her, that he is interested in her. In fact, offering her more than she had in mind. He doesn't start with condemnation at all. He knows, he knows the disorder of her moral life, as he brings up later in the business about having five husbands. But he doesn't start there, which is a good clue to us. Don't start relationships with condemnation. Don't start evangelization by accusing people of sin. Start with an invitation. <laughs> To, a, to say yes to God. Start with an invitation to drink from the, the stream that really satisfies. Say yes to God. 
Now, yes to God means no to sin. That's why it's important to deal with sin, because if we don't say no to sin, our yes to God isn't real. Once Jesus has the trust of this woman, then he gets more direct and blunt about her sins, just my husband's. And the man she's living with now is not one of them. He's another husband, another lover. So she's been trying to satisfy her thirst, in her case, with these relationships, disordered relationships. Maybe we can't relate to that. Maybe you haven't had five husbands or five wives or five relationships. But we have five of something. We all have tried to fill ourselves or satisfy our thirst with something. Some other sin repeated again and again. You know the seven deadly sins. Pride, envy, anger, sloth, greed, gluttony, and lust. Not five husbands, but seven. Seven sins. These are seven obstacles to overcome. Say no to them. Say no to these things so that we can say yes, a complete yes to God. See, the, the clear solution to sin is say no, to, say no to it and say yes to God. He calls this woman in the Gospel to, to authentic worship. Not on the mountain, not in Jerusalem, but worship, and not even right here in the church, but worship in spirit and in truth. If we want to really, really satisfy our thirst, we need God. We need worship of God. We need to be with God. We need to leave behind our precious water jars and our, our earthly or, or fleshy ways of satisfying our thirst. All the things we cling to, our, in our fear, in our anger, in our pride. And, and we need to drink this water. And when we do, we realize we have something to share with others. We become a living source of water for others. Look at this woman. She leaves the water jar behind. She runs into town and says, hey, I think I found the Messiah. Hey, I think this is the Messiah. And it works. She becomes an evangelist. And the people from, from the Samaritan town all come out to meet Jesus. The end of the gospel, they say, we don't only believe because you told us, that's the beginning. We believe because we met him ourselves. We know he's the source of living water. So that's, that's where this is going. We start out as sinners, thirsty sinners. We meet Jesus. He, he offers something to us that's more than we ever realized we wanted. He calls us to leave behind the, 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 the empty promises of sin. And he fills us up to such a degree that we have more than enough to share with others. So let us, let us share the beauty, let us share the, the, the richness, the abundance of a yes to God, uh, uh, an experience of intimacy with God that makes us also springs of water for the good of others.